Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. We've had such a tough time of it so far this year with the cost of living crisis and for many people struggling to pay even the most basic of bills, which has inevitably caused a lot of stress and mental health issues. How do you identify with the signs of stress? And how on earth do you deal with it? Making a return visit to Friday Night Clive is stress guru and chief de-stressing officer, which I think is a fabulous job title from the Stress Management Society. It's Neil Shah. Good evening, Neil. Good evening, Clive. It's always a pleasure to spend Friday evening with you. Thank you. And with you as well, Neil. But briefly, first of all, tell me about the Stress Management Society and your role with, the, as I say, which is a splendid job title as the Chief De-Stressing Officer. I could do with you in my life permanently. <laughs> well, so the Stress Management Society is a, a non-profit organisation I set up 20 years ago now. This is our 20-year anniversary this year. Um, essentially to provide advice, support and guidance to both individuals and organisations that are experiencing stress and poor mental health and want to understand what we can do about it and to raise awareness about this issue which at the time I'd had a first-hand experience which sadly at that point led to me having a breakdown and actually getting to a stage where I didn't want to be here anymore and I took action against that. I'd hit the lowest point in my life and I found there really wasn't enough being done to support people having that kind of experience. I was lost. Um, I decided to do something about it. So I created this organization off the back of a first-hand experience. And I'm proud to say over the last 20 years, myself and my, my team have, have had the opportunity to reach more than 100 million people with the various different programs we've run. And the primary remit for us is to raise awareness of a subject that still today Clive, in 2023, there is still such a huge amount of guilt, shame and stigma associated with talking about stress and mental health. Uh, and really, what, we're, what we've been working hard to do is to make safe spaces for people to open up, for us to be able to reframe vulnerability, not as a weakness, but as a strength. I believe the strong amongst us are able to put their hands up and say, you know what, I'm struggling, I'm having a tough time. Mm. And particularly as we've discussed in the past, the last couple of years have been challenging for all of us. And we do need to get better at, you know, talking about this and supporting each other. That's why we launched Stress Awareness Month. And, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm proud to say for, for the last two decades, we've been using this month as an opportunity to campaign and raise awareness of the importance of talking about stress and poor mental health. And it is important, as you say. And I mean, I, we've talked before and I've said to you that I have um, anxiety and depression. <clears throat> And last year, uh, about last September, and I'll freely admit this to you and everybody listening, that I had a breakdown. Um, and it was the most bizarre feeling because I felt like I was on a railway track and I could hear the train coming through the tunnel and I could see its light on the front, but my feet were sort of glued to the sleepers no matter how much I tried to get off the track. It was really mm. difficult. And then the train just, the, the train didn't hit me full on, it clipped me, if you, if you like. Mm. that. That's the best analogy I can use. Um, and I thought, oh, time to seek professional help. And I did and caught it early. And now I'm in a much, much better place. I mean, I'm still medicating, but not the strength of medication that I was on last year. But it, the thing that frightened me more than anything, I know what caused what caused it. It was caused by someone uh, or their actions or their lack of actions, I should say. Um, but the thing that did it was that I, I seemed to be ill-prepared for it. So how can we identify when we think we're getting stressed or, or something is going, you know, something's going wrong, which is causing that anxiety? And this is a great point because 
often when we have these kind of conversations, uh, you know, this week alone, it's probably like six or seven radio interview, and often they've got a few minutes. And the first question I ask is, what's the, what's the magic pill? What's the solution to stress? And it's like, well, there isn't one, you know. But it, it ultimately, it comes down to us recognizing what's led us to this point. Stress is a normal, natural part of life. We are supposed to experience stress. It's the response that allowed us to survive as a species. So it's not our job to eliminate it, but to understand when it's getting to the point where we are living in a state that is not sustainable. You're designed to go into stress long enough to deal with a saber-toothed tiger, and it's equipping you to fight or run away to the best of your ability. Now, what's happening for many of us, we've got a constant level of stress because of the, 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 the world that we live in. It's, you know, we're living in an episode of Black Mirror, for, and, and, and you know, walking outside your front door seems to be more fantastic than anything you can find on Netflix. And then what will happen is you've got the kind of the general pressures and demands and challenges of daily life, and then something will happen, whether that be a sort of a challenge in your relationship, an argument with a partner, you know, something goes wrong at work, there's some kind of change in your financial situation, and that can end up being the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm. And often we're looking at that one thing that has caused us to have this, this, this challenge and this, this issue, but often it's, it's been building for a while, and that, that, as I said, is the straw that breaks the camel's back. If we get much better, both individually and collectively, at recognizing when people are struggling under excessive pressure, and we get better at supporting people long before they get to the point where, and you know, as, as you've described, the, the, you know, the, the train in the tunnel, someone once described that, that it, it felt like the walls had closed in on them and they were boxed mm. in and they couldn't escape. And, you know, for, for me, like when I had that experience, it felt like the, the emotional pain I was in was so great. It, it was literally like, it, you know, I was being stabbed and burnt at the same time. And I would have, it, it was emotional pain, it wasn't physical pain, but I would have sought any course of action for that pain to end. And I think the challenge is more and more of us are having this experience it's a collective experience that we just don't talk about because unlike other issues there isn't round-the-clock counters for mental health issues there isn't round-the-clock counters for for the, the number of cases of people that are dying as a result of it and even though we've got to the point in 2023 still the main cause of death for a man under the age of 45 in western society rapidly becoming so for um for for 18 to 29 year olds yet we still aren't comfortable even opening up to talk about it and it's these kind of conversations Clive, for us being able to talk and openly admit that you know like i'm, I'm very grateful for you being vulnerable and talking about what, what, what you experienced last year and even for me it took me 15 years after i had that experience before i first shared that i'd had that experience even though i'm a professional working in the industry and it's when people hear these kind of stories and they think, well, I'm going through that and someone else has had that experience, all of a sudden you don't feel so alone and isolated. And I think we do need to get much better at, uh, at removing the stigma associated with putting your hands up. Because mm -hmm. in Britain today, we've still got people that kind of work on this notion of, you know, grown men don't cry, soldier on, pull your socks up and get on with it. These outdated views that strong men hold it all together and, you know, like don't get phased by pressure. That's, that, that's, you know, something that we need to kind of reserve for, you know, the challenges we face in the last century. Right now, but the, but that, that, thing, that, that proves, though, that early intervention is key, and that, that's what you're, you're saying, really, isn't it? If you leave it exactly. to fester, it gets worse and worse and worse. It's like if you get a cold. If you don't seek an early remedy, that cold will hang around for quite a time. Well, you know, just using that analogy, I had that first-hand experience too, that I had a, flow, a flu, I didn't take care of myself, I didn't stop working, this was several years ago, and I just kept going, and it got worse and worse, and I ended up with pneumonia. If I had mm -hmm. sought help early enough, I could have probably pre prevented myself from getting seriously sick. And I think the, here's the thing, is 
you know, like, we need to be more proactive. And that's why the theme this year is it's time for action. So, for, 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 you know, for the last two decades, the theme has always been around creating space for people to talk, opening up, you, you know, just dropping in ideas to get people thinking differently. I feel we've got to the point, it's way beyond conversation, way beyond just changing our mindset. We need to take immediate action right now because this is one of the biggest challenges affecting our society. And the world seems to be getting more challenging. Cost of living crisis, we've still got the after effects of the pandemic, you, you know, the, the kind of wars going off and all kinds of death, devastation, destruction that we're reminded of every single day. So last year when we last spoke, we, mm. we, we spoke about the Choose Hope campaign and, and you know, in, inspiring people to have hope that things can get better. The, the, the hashtag this year is act now. We all need to make a commitment to ourselves on what are we gonna do to build our resilience so we are better equipped to cope with whatever the future challenges are that the, the, the world presents to us. Now we need to explore, which we'll do in a second, the warning signs of stress. Of but can you explain what happens in the human body? What chemical changes take place when we experience that stress? Because it's the old fight or flight, isn't it? It's, you know, which which is, you know, you, you either deal with it face on or, or you run a hundred miles away sort of thing. So assuming then that we're looking at we're going to fight, um, so there's clearly a chemical change that happens in our body with our organs, with, with our brain, which is where we get that adrenaline from. Um, but what happens and how can we identify those warning signs? Because that's what we need to, to you know, get to the grassroots of. So uh, and I think having this understanding is so important because that's when you start to identify it long before it becomes a more serious issue. We need stress. I'm actually a huge fan of stress. I think it's a wonderful thing. I agree. A lot of people get surprised when, it, when I say that because they're like, well, wait, hold on, you're a stress management professional. Why would you, you know, be a fan of this issue? Well, it, it's because nature gave us this for a very good reason. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for stress, Clive, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. There'd be no one listening to this conversation because our species would have died out hundreds of thousands of years ago. When we first surfaced as a species on the plains of East Africa, it was the response that equipped us to fight hard and run fast. You know, if, if we talk about one of our common ancestors, caveman Joanna, strolling through the jungle on her way back to the cave to spend the evening with her cave family, when a saber-toothed tiger pops out in front of her, she's got one or two choices to deal with that situation. So nature in its infinite wisdom inbuilt us with a, a response that, that changes the way our body's functioning. It's triggered by the release of, 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 of substances like adrenaline and cortisol that create a physiological chain reaction that cause your heart to pound and, 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 and pump much harder. Your breathing becomes shallow and fast. Your muscles start tightening up. You might have feelings of anger and hostility. Like essentially, what your body's doing is prioritizing all the systems that are necessary for survival. It's like you've literally gone into to emergency mode. So what happens, there are certain things that are prioritized. Now, if you are being a by a saber-toothed tiger, you need energy in your arms, legs, hands, and feet so you can run away, kick, punch, block, defend, climb a tree, whatever. You can't just produce oxygenated blood by clicking your fingers. So you have to take it from somewhere. So some of the places your body will take that oxygenated blood to send to the major muscles are your brain. Your brain consumes a lot of, of, of blood. So that's the reason we feel panicky, anxious, overwhelmed. We can't think clearly. We, you blank out. A lot of people can have brain fog, can't make decisions, problem solve, think laterally because your brain literally doesn't have enough oxygenated blood. Your digestive system is not getting enough oxygenated blood, which is why people can have irritable bowel syndrome and digestive problems when they're stressed. Libido, you know, if you're being attacked by a saber-toothed tiger, you, you know, being aroused, you know, for most people isn't number one on the priority list. So, again, that's another system that's deprived of oxygenated blood. The immune system, 
And uh, Clive, I'm just going to ask you straight, have you ever got ill during or just after periods of stress? Have you come down with a cold or a flu or something like that? Possibly. I can't remember any one particular incident, but probably, yeah. And, and the reason for that is you, the immune system is suppressed. If you're being attacked by a saber-toothed tiger, you don't need to worry about fighting bugs and bacteria, which is why people that are stressed are more susceptible to illness because your body has gone into survival. So it's fine if it's just a short-term threat, like a saber-toothed tiger being chased by a dog, you know, someone veering into your lane where on, on, on the motorway, running for a bus or a train playing competitive sport. These are great examples of how we could use stress constructively even in modern life. The challenge is, for most of us, it's not just a short-term intervention to do what's necessary to remove yourself from danger or to nullify the threat. We are staying in that state. It is not sustainable. It was never designed to be something that you were going to go into for more than a few minutes at a time. That's why it becomes exhausting because it requires a huge amount of energy to be stressed. So very quickly we start to feel exhausted. And then over time, obviously, if higher brain function is diminished, digestion's not working properly, libido's diminished, all of this over time is going to start to have an impact on your life, your well-being, your relationships, etc. But I think there's a key point that we need to establish here. It's not black or white, I'm stressed, I'm not stressed. It's more a spectrum from zero to 100. Mm. The easiest way to describe it is, is the Goldilocks and the Three Bears approach to stress. Goldilocks, when she finds the, the, the cottage, three bowls of porridge, one was too hot, one was too cold, and one was just right. We have, many of us are living in a world where our stress porridge is too hot. And that's what I would describe as, as the zone of burnout, where you're in a state which is just not sustainable, requires huge amounts of energy, and you very quickly start to exhaust yourself. And, and, and you, you, you find that everything feels like more effort. People are working longer hours, getting less done. We're not sleeping well. We tend to, to, to reach for uh, comfort foods. And, and we, we really, we aren't able to operate at our best. It's great going into that state for a short term to do what's necessary to kind of deal with the challenge. You can't live in that state. But then we've got a period where the stress porridge is too cold. And that's what we call the, the zone of rust out. Um, and, and that's where there isn't enough pressure or demand or perception of enough pressure or demand. And particularly now, given what happened a few years ago, a lot of people remember that experience during kind of the lockdown and people that are furloughed where you don't really have much to do, but the, the, the kind of concerns can, and the, the, the fear can stem, kick in. People start to feel depressed. They lose their motivation. They lose their energy. They, 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 they start to become very bitter. You start to procrastinate. And this is where you get where people are struggling to even get out of bed or get dressed or, mm-hmm. you know, if they're working from home, they're just, you know, only getting dressed from the waist up and those, those kind of things. It's, we, we just start to kind of lose the, the passion for life. But then there's a sweet spot, which is still stress, by the way, and it's what we call a performance zone, where your mental, physical, and emotional performance is optimized, and you're able to channel the stress in a way which is helping you to get things done and to be able to function at your very best. It's all stress, but the bit of stress that we tend to associate with is the bit where the porridge is too hot, and that's what we all tend to associate with stress without recognizing there are states where... You are still stressed, but you might just call it excited, pumped up, you know, focused, Mm. in the zone. We just have different language to describe the positive use of stress. So how can we reduce stress and how can we manage it? I know breath control is one, for example, but um, because obviously we hyperventilate when we're stressed. People have panic attacks. Excuse me. Sure. 
Um, so I know breath control, for example, breathing, I think uh, breathing in, in for two and out through your nose and out for four through your mouth. And actually, if you were to take your pulse at that time, you can physically feel your heart rate dropping. So that I know that's one good way of doing that. Uh, but what other things can we do to, to reduce it and manage it? And, uh, you know, the, the, that for me, this is a really powerful question to ask. And this is, as I said, like we tend to focus on what can we do. Now, I guess the lesson I've learned over the last 20 years is people are looking for the solution. And when you give it to them, there are people that can get stressed about the fact that you're asking them to breathe, to take time to walk, to switch your telephone off, etc. Because it's like, oh my God, there's something else I need to do. I need to now turn, find time for breath. I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't work. It does. I want to take a step back here. Because if we ask a group of people, what are the top three things, top four things you need to do to improve your health? Everybody knows we should drink two liters of water a day. It's commonly accepted information. Mm. Everybody knows we should eat five bits of fruits and vegetables. Everybody knows we need to sleep eight hours a night. Most people know you need to walk 10,000 steps. But you ask those same people that know that information, which is the majority of the population, how many of them do it? A very small percentage. And I guess the lesson I have learned is there is lots of information and lots of discussion, lots of things shared about things that can improve our health, improve our well-being. My concern, and I guess what our research over the last year has been, is what are the barriers to people doing the things that we know bring us benefit? And that's why this year is, yes, exactly as you said, Clive, breathing, walking, meditation, mindfulness, getting sleep, spending time off of our technology, being with our friends and family. I'm here this weekend with my partner's family. She's got a, a wonderfully rambunctious Irish family and we're here and we've been out walking and eating and it's great. You know, mm -hmm. social interaction, there's lots of different things that we can do to bring about benefit to our lives. The, as I said, the focus for us this year is encouraging people to make a commitment, take an action. It doesn't matter what it is, but something that you're going to commit to for 30 days. It takes 21 to 28 days for a human being to form a new habit and create a new behavior pattern. So if, if, if obviously breathing is something that works for you, play, make time for that. I've taken up a challenge, which is an ice plunge challenge where I'm taking a nice bath every morning for, for, for a few minutes because right. I've, I've read the research and the benefits about the, the, the effects it has, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. So we work with a company called The Cold Pod and they, they, they basically got these pods that you put up in your garden and you fill it with ice and you just get in a bath. And oh my God, it's painful, but every, you know, everything else in my day that might be stressful feels like a breeze when you start your day getting into an ice bath. Now, I'm not recommending that, that, that everybody goes off and does this. All I'm asking people to do is choose something, something that might feel like a bit challenging or you might have to find time and energy for, but you know will bring you benefit. It doesn't have to be going to the gym. It could be, it could be um, you know, just downloading an app and doing some mindfulness meditation, listening to some music, um, you, you know, having a warm bath every evening, doing some breath work. There are so many different things, and I, I, I'm not here being prescriptive in terms of what people should do, but I'm asking everyone listening today, take up this challenge through the month of April, encouraging people, it doesn't matter what day you start, even if it's the 30th of April, make a commitment for 30 days and honor that. Be true to yourself and make sure you do it every single day for that 30-day period and see how you feel at the end of it. Because if we all did this, 
and it brought us benefit. How much could we change in that short period of time? And I think this is the thing. Is, is, as I said, like the information and knowledge is cheap and freely available with, you know, these days with the, the different channels that we have available on the internet, social media, et cetera, et cetera. It's in, and in a way, we are overloaded with information, which pe- puts people into inaction and apathy. And that is our biggest concern, is how can we get people so they're actually doing the things that will bring them benefit? I mean, for me, uh, I mean, I'm fortunate I live in the country, so if I need to de-stress, I go out for a walk, whether it's in the, in the daytime or at night. Uh, usually at night it's more fun because uh, there's lots of nocturnal wildlife, bats, owls and things, and if the sky's clear, it's really lovely. So so for me, that, that that's how I deal with that. But I guess, and I'm mindful of the time here now, Neil, but I guess that if we don't deal with our stress or, or find ways to manage it in the way that you've just alluded... Um, I guess this can lead through latency to medical problems. Yeah, so the, here's the pathway. You know, stress is a normal, natural part of life. But if left unchecked and, and sustained, it becomes chronic stress, which can then obviously have an impact on your mental health. When your mental health is compromised over time, that can lead to mental illness. But here's the thing. with two sides to the same coin. Our health is two sides to the same coin. Things that cause you stress can also impact your physical health, which in turn can lead to physical illness. So the, 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 the message here is catch it at the early phase. When you're starting to struggle, when you're in a state that is not sustainable and take action long before it gets to the point where it's affecting your health and then potentially leading to illness. And I think this is one of the things that we've seen over the last couple of years that, you know, particularly with certain, certain illnesses that we've experienced, the people that were physically unhealthy were much more susceptible. People that had high levels of stress were much more susceptible. And this is where, as I said, like it's really important. We're looking at improving our well-being in general, not looking at physical and mental health as separate elements. So what are we going to do in, to improve our well-being? Because as I said, like, you know, medication, it's, 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 it should be a last resort. There is a lot of functional medication that we could be prescribing ourselves and functional medication for those that don't know what I'm referring to here that could be I'm going to take my prescription of steps of my water of walking of eating healthy and this is where a lot of forward-thinking medical professionals are now starting to prescribe functional medicine um, because that for me is how we actually improve our resilience improve our health and improve our ability to cope with whatever crazy challenges the future holds because on the current trajectory, who's writing the script? What's the next thing that's going to happen? Zombies, alien attack, you know, mm-hmm. as much as that might sound crazy right now, in the context of what we experienced over the last couple of years, is it any more ridiculous? And I think we need to look at how are we better equipping ourselves to cope with whatever the future holds. Now, there's loads of information on your website, as you've already said, particularly around Stress Awareness Month. Uh, give your website a mention, Neil, if you will. Thank you, Clive. Yeah, it's www.stress.org.uk. Um, and there is, in particular, the 30-day challenge calendar. It's a free resource which has got lots of ideas and suggestions of things that you can do every day and to, to hold yourself accountable to, to, to making this commitment. Because as I said, like, you know, I just want to reiterate, this is the time to act. We have got to the point where this is one of the biggest issues affecting our society that we do not talk about. If we all start to take action, then we get better as a society in, 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 in supporting each other long before we get to the point where we're, we're, we're overloaded, overwhelmed, and, and then having more serious issues. And, you know, we also encourage people, if you are taking actions and making commitments, share on social media, inspire others to take action. And, and hopefully, as I said, collectively, we can all start doing the things that are going to bring us better. Neil Shah's Chief De-Stressing Officer from the Stress Management Society. Thank you very much indeed for talking to Friday Night Clive. 
That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 7pm. If you love our podcast, then please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by Clive Payne, produced by Andy Caddick.